Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, this is Nicole calling from Hamilton, and I needed to let everyone know that I really proudly support Beach and creative control. I have for many years, I will for many more, as long as he keeps delivering these amazing interview podcasts. When you hear one of Beach's interviews, you think he's known this guest for years, they're good friends, uh, but the truth is he approaches every interview, whether it's sort of up-and-coming indie artists or established icons or like famous intimidating comedians with Uh, a really deep, genuine curiosity, so he's never met this person, and the same really warm uh, candor, so he's known them forever. I think it really lends to a great chat, no matter who he's talking to, and for that reason, I think you should throw Vish, like what, a dollar a month? He's got jokes. The jokes make it worth it. Support Creative Control on Patreon. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. I'm Visha's wife, and remember, when you name a dog Janet or Timothy, you are dragging humanity down just a little bit. Creative Control with Vish Khanna. Melinda Hill is a gifted and prolific comedian who currently lives in Los Angeles, California. The host of her own podcast called Let's Process This, Hill co-stars with Diane Keaton and Jeremy Irons in a new film, called Love, Weddings, and Other Disasters, which is out December 4th, 2020, on most streaming platforms. Comedy Dynamics also recently released her acclaimed new special called Inappropriate, which features clever, uncompromising jokes and exhibits her philosophical view that we are all capable of turning trauma into creative treasure. Melinda and I recently connected to talk about Hollywood, how she and her bipolar father moved 27 times when she was a child. Dread energy and the importance of movements like Black Lives Matter and Me Too. Her special Inappropriate, her new film, Love, Weddings and Other Disasters, Future Plans, and more. 
a part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash Control and Massey Hall's concert film series live at masseyhall.com where you can stream dozens of 30-minute films for free including performances by past podcast guests like Jen Grant, plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 584th episode of Creative Control, featuring the funny and inspiring Melinda Hill with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Melinda. How's it going? Going great. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for asking. Not enough people uh, respond to, hey, how's it going from me with, how are you? Uh, and I've pointed this out to a few people recently, and I've never done it before. So I'm on that. I'm in that zone where, how come you're not asking me how I'm doing? I just want to say again, thank you. Thank you for asking me how I'm doing. It means a lot. <laughs> great. Well, I, I love being off to this great start. <laughs> <laughs> politeness is very don't you think like politeness decorum it's very important these days as we live remotely you know it really and have is to talk like this it really is and yeah. tone yeah. and and intent and just being in the present moment with people i think it goes so goes so far yes i i 100 percent concur uh where in the world are you as we're speaking today so i am in a tiny can in a cave in mexico where I have sequestered myself uh, until 2024. No, I'm kidding. I'm in Los. I'm in Los Angeles. <laughs> you are in Los Angeles. Okay. Have you have you actually seriously contemplated seeking refuge in a can in a cave in some other part of the world, or were you just like, I guess we're writing this out in L.A. That's how it's going to be. I guess it's like many things where you can entertain the thought and then it helps me to follow it through and go, yeah, but wherever I go, that's, I'm still going to be there. So <laughs> you might as well stay here. Write yeah. this out. Plus I love my neighborhood. I live in Los Feliz. So it's great. What, uh, what distinguishes that particular neighborhood from say other neighborhoods nearby? Uh, what, what do you like about it? You know, the east side of L.A., and this isn't even as far east as one could go because now people have branched out so far east in the heavily populated uh, city, but east side meaning Los Feliz, Silver Lake, Atwater, it's just, I mean, it's gotten pretty gentrified now, but it's just, it's just still got the flavor of, you know, being a really artsy, cool, you know, yeah. environment. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, it just feels like home, you know, like some other places in other cities. It would be the Brooklyn of L.A., I guess. Yeah. And yeah. 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 I've heard that. I've heard people talk about Silver Lake a lot. Uh, when I yeah. when I interview guests on the show, that seems to be a hub for creative types, right? That's what's going on there. So many creative types, so much creativity, so much good food, so many great places to walk, so many comedians, um, musicians, etc., actors, filmmakers. And the actual Silver Lake is 
it's actually just a reservoir. Oh. But it's a great, a terrific walk that you can, you know, a lot of people walk around. And it's a beautiful walk in the middle of the city. And then there are also so many other great hikes in this area. There's Griffith Park Observatory is like a mile from me where you can see the entire city and there are tourists from all over the world. And uh, it's this walk at the top of the world. And then there are various, a bunch of beautiful hikes in there. There's the Hollywood sign, which has a bunch of beautiful hikes. And uh, so we're right like nestled under the hills. Franklin Hills, Silver Lake Hills, Griffith Park. So it's it's just a great area. You 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 speak with the joy of a resident, but also potentially someone who is still marveling uh, at being sort of new to a place, if you will. I don't know if I'm way off the mark here. Are you from this area originally, or did you move there somewhat recently? No, I've been in this area though over a decade, so it's definitely home. Yeah. I have lived in some other parts of LA. Uh, I've lived in Hollywood and more like middle LA. Um, but this is this is my favorite. I mean, Hollywood itself is a dump. I don't know if anyone's told you that. <laughs> I remember being I remember being shocked and crushed uh, the moment that somebody shared that with me. And wondering how much I should consider the source if it was just the bitter, jaded screenwriter um, who told me that or, or if it was the truth. But he told me that I think it was like my first week in L.A. I was living on my friend's couch uh, for two hundred dollars a month. I moved on to her couch yeah. and she lived with her boyfriend, this jaded screenwriter. And I said, he's I said, how do I get to Hollywood Boulevard? I want to see. I want to see the Walk of Fame, the stars on the sidewalk. He was like, "This is an absolute dump. You do not want to see that. You know, all the crazy, all, all that's up there is crazy people." And, <laughs> and I was destroyed, shattered. Um, but yes, he was correct. It's it's a. It is. I mean, it's something to see, and certainly there are, are good things up there. Um, you know, there there are historical landmarks. There, there's the Pantages Theater. There's the Jimmy Kimmel Live Show. There, there's things that you got to see. Of course, you got to see the stars on the side. But it's such a hollow, sad energy because I feel that it's haunted by the ghosts of people whose dreams didn't come true. Yeah, so for those of us who haven't been, uh, is Hollywood a neighborhood per se, or is it like a strip? Is it like this, you said Hollywood Boulevard. Is that Hollywood, or is it like a whole section of town, and it's, I presume, very touristy because hey, it's Hollywood. We all have heard about Hollywood, and so as a tourist destination, that can make a, an area kind of cheesy and undesirable for locals. Can you... Again, I'm not asking you for a geography lesson necessarily. This isn't the MapQuest segment of my podcast. But is Hollywood uh, a neighborhood or is it more of like a strip? So Hollywood is a is an area. It's bigger than a neighborhood. It's, it includes several neighborhoods. Okay. But there there is also um, North Hollywood, which is, as they say, over the hill in the valley. Uh, there is also West Hollywood, and that is its whole own vibe okay. that is predominantly um, 
LGBTQ is West Hollywood, although anyone, anyone can live there, but LGBTQ is, you know, sort of, you know, predominant and it's West Hollywood is beautiful. They're, they're beautiful. It's a beautiful area. North Hollywood is, they've got some cool stuff over there. It's got (laughs) NoHo Arts District and what have you. I'm not as familiar with that area. And then Hollywood itself, it runs the gamut from like, there's Larchmont Village, which is like a beautiful little strip of houses. And, and then there, I mean, there, there's so many, all, like a lot of the famous landmarks you're, you're going to see are in Hollywood. Like, you know, Magic Castle, Hollywood Boulevard, Sunset Strip is going to run from Hollywood into uh, West Hollywood, and then Sunset itself runs out all the way to the ocean. But uh, Hollywood itself is more, although there are neighborhoods within it, hmm. it's a it's it's not as neighborhoody. I guess I always think, and these are all just generalizations, by the way. I mean, <laughs> no, that, no, sure, neighborhood is all the things. But I feel I always think of the valley as like that's when people get married and they go settle down in the valley. You know, they get like a nice house and it's also on the other side of the hills. And I feel like Hollywood is where you, you, it's a young person's game. You're out there like, but pre COVID, of course, you know, going out every night, there's all the, you know, clubs and the scene and the studios and stuff like that. So, but that said, all that stuff is everywhere in LA. Well, listen, I, well, that doesn't really tell you anything. No, does it? I felt like I was on a bus tour of, of Hollywood just now. This was great. I feel like I got all the sense of where things are and I appreciate you engaging with this in such a, you know, thorough manner because I, I you know, it's one of my regrets having traveled across your country many times I just have never made it to California, which is a bit weird. Uh, what? It is weird. The state. I, I know. I know. It's So you haven't seen any of the state. You haven't been to San Fran or Big Sur or wine country. When I say I haven't been to or... California, I, I think I, the answer to your questions would be yes. I haven't seen any of those things. Wow. Yeah, it's weird. I've spent a lot of time on the East Coast and in the South and... You know, touring with bands and road managing bands mm-hmm. and traveling for festivals. Mm-hmm. And just for some reason, California has been elusive. And I assumed one day I would go. Now I don't think I might ever go uh, based on everything that's happening. But who knows? Maybe I will get to. But my my uh-huh. my point here, though, is I read something about you that I found fascinating. This is why I wanted your sense of the place, because I don't actually know where you are from originally. But I understand that when you were younger, you moved a lot. Like I, the 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 figure I read was twenty seven times. Did you move twenty seven times as a child? Yes, twenty seven known times. That is from what I can that is ascertain <laughs> in my detective work. <laughs> that is that is a lot. So where where have, my retroactive detective work? <laughs> where have you lived? If if I, I mean sorry, is that twenty seven times in the same state? Where are you from, Melinda? Please. Where are you? <laughs> it's become an interrogation. Where are you from and where have you where would you consider places that you know of the 27 what are some of the notable places you've lived? Oh yeah, so um we got to live all over Kansas, Oklahoma, Wyoming, um and Colorado. And of those places, my favorite 
Um, I, I was in Wyoming a short time, but I do remember them having beautiful, uh, large skies. I remember Lawrence, Kansas was really cool town that I lived in. And went Oh, to I love Lawrence. I love Lawrence. Yeah. yeah. I got to hang yeah. out there. There was a club there that also had really cool pizza. And I got to spend yeah. some time. <laughs> was it the was it the bottleneck? Or yeah, the, yeah. I think. Yeah. No, is that right? I think so. This was. I went in two thousand nine, and my cousin uh, from North Carolina was living there at the time. So I was road managing a band. We played the show, then we stayed with him. And I just remember all the pizza. The pizzas were named after musicians and figure like pop culture figures, and it was great. And that sounds right. I think that's right. The bottleneck. Yeah, that's it. Lawrence is a great, cool town. Yeah, William S. Burroughs lived there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, all the cool bands came through, and it was quite quite lovely. It wasn't in the part of Kansas that's flat, so it was kind mm. of hilly, and, and the college was cool, and I lived in the art storm. So that was a great town, and I also really loved Colorado Springs, which is where I spent my formative years and I was we also lived in a little town called Woodland Park Colorado which Colorado it was so beautiful it's so beautiful I don't know if you've been there but it's my high school was right by the Garden of the Gods which is those beautiful rock formations that are red Mm -hmm. and of course I loved red rocks in Denver and I saw my first concert there the cure oh wow you know yeah so that was amazing to live there and and it really um you know gave me my love of nature and that's probably why I love you know hiking here in LA going up to Griffith and stuff and and this part of town that's pretty hilly and Hmm. Um, and artsy so that I was in some deep art scenes in in Colorado you know I mean there was like this place Manitou Springs that had you know this pretty witchy and mystic and you know there were people allegedly living without addresses and you know it was just kind of that that deep woods art scenes that I love so much that's cool so that's great so yeah but, but again I will say like as a I, as a child who moved once I can't even or twice I guess I can't even fathom what it must have been like to move 27 times and it sounds like you lived in it's but what you're saying you lived in different states so you'd make friends I assume and then you'd have to move on and try to make new friends again that's all I don't want to use the word trauma or traumatizing but I imagine that's got to impact you on some level have you kind of processed what all that moving has done to you and your psyche and and your ability to kind of settle. I'm happy to hear you've been in where you've been living for 10 years. That's telling us something. That's good. But do you know what I'm getting at there? Like, was all that moving around? Is it something you're still dealing with on some level? No, it's, it was very unsettling. And I, and I did eventually, you know, sometimes you love it. Sometimes you're happy to go. Sometimes it's exciting. And other times you're just like, I don't want to leave my friends, but, um, I don't want to be new. You know, (laughs) it's all the things, but I do feel that I've, I have processed that trauma. Um, and uh, any, any lingering childhood trauma I have processed, um, Mm. it all, as far as I know, and I am on the other side of it. And I also have the advantage of knowing that, of seeing it as a benefit, actually a huge benefit, because it helped me become 
who I am today. And as a person who is a comedian, who I'm an actress, I, I go and join these sets, you know, I, I join a set, a movie set for a month. I go do a TV show for a month and then I have to leave everyone. Yeah. I feel like my, my specific childhood really set me up to be able to be adaptable um, in the career that I that I ultimately landed in. And so I'm really uh -oh. grateful because I feel like if we just stayed in one place, I, I don't know that I would have gone into comedy if I just, you know, got along well with the neighbor guy and then ended up marrying him. You know what I mean? <laughs> just stayed in that town. I don't think I would have had... A career in comedy and you know comedy is all about you know meeting new people uh, you know flying into a, a town doing a show leaving you know so I don't know I feel like it ultimately I'm really grateful um, for the the skill set and the adaptability that it gave me yeah I can see where you're coming from with that that makes a lot of sense um, do you can you, I don't know how much you want to get into it, but do you know, do you have a, you must know why you moved 27 times, but can you elaborate upon that? Like that's a lot of times to be moving around. Why would you have had to move around that much? Yeah. My dad is bipolar. He was unmedicated bipolar at the time and he loved to move on a manic high. And he just, that's, we moved a lot because of that oh. reason and that combined with uh, job transfers. So yeah. I see. Okay. Is your father still around with us? He is. He 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 is still with us. Okay, great. That's good. And how's he doing? He well, this is, you know, we've just put him into an assisted living. So, oh, okay. he's doing well today, but it is a day okay. at a time. Uh, situation, yeah, but he's doing well, you know, and Good. he's That's he's great. um yeah, he's doing well, and my family's doing well, and and so I'm grateful. That's great. No, that's great to hear. I do feel like in listening to your latest special and appropriate that you are someone who can um, process hardships, pain. I used the word trauma earlier. You seem so, like someone who can take that stuff and turn it into some form of reflection, uh, something meditative, and something entertaining. Um, do you have a sense of, first of all, tell me if you agree with that. And secondly, um, do you have a sense of when you figured that out, that that's something you could do with all of that emotional stuff, is maybe turn it into something that was not only entertaining, but also kind of instructive? Can you speak to those things? Yeah, absolutely. I, well, you're exactly right. I love turning trauma, transforming trauma into treasure and creative treasure. That is my calling, one of my callings and, and mm -hmm, one of my mm -hmm. specialties. And that's in fact what my podcast is about. It's called Let's Process This. And yep. we talk about, you know, how people have are processing or overcoming their trauma or their obstacles and how they've turned that into uh, treasure. And I'm speci specifically interested in how that informs the creative process um, because, 
you know, I'm really interested in doing comedy that's healing. I'm really interested mm -hmm. in, in doing work that is transformative, uplifting, inspiring, empowering, and, and helping people to know that we are not defined, you know, by what happened to us. We are defined by what we do with what happens to us. And, you know, and the reason is some people might feel like I did for a long time, which is like, oh, I was born into these circumstances. So it's always going to be like this. And I'm going, you know, I, it took me so long to even see that I had anxiety and dread energy happening and to identify where it came from and to heal um, that, I, you know, I guess I just want people to know, yeah, like, hey, man, like whatever you've been through, you're not defined by that period. And you get to, you get to heal. It's never too late to heal. It's never too late to empower yourself with tools, um, to, to live a, a happy life, um, to find solution, to find calm amidst the chaos and, you, you know, to be able to, to live your best life basically. And I, I started to just see turning my own Stand up, I guess, like, I wasn't, you know, I, I've always been acting. I've always been, you know, getting acting jobs and stuff like that yeah, and yeah. studying comedy and writing and everything like that. But then when I started creating my own work, like, using all those skills to create my own original web series, you know, I created Romantic Encounters, which was acquired all over the world and it uh, won, you know, several awards and, and so forth. And then creating, you know, my own comedy special inappropriate that's out now and creating yeah. subsequent web series with, with Maria Bamford and et cetera. I just saw that like, you know, I was specifically turning my own trauma into creative treasure, meaning once you've performed that alchemy of taking, you know, something that, that was challenging or traumatic or difficult for you and turned it into something, a piece of art, a piece of work, whatever, writing a book, writing a script, writing a thing, writing a stand-up set, now you're, you're giving it to the world and the world is benefiting, learning, healing from it. They're feeling less alone with their own trauma it has you've now done performed an alchemy you know you've yeah. turned this trauma into something positive and beneficial and healing and that for me set me free from a, a, I just felt lighter I was like wow I'm I'm enjoying my life today I'm, I'm happy I'm I'm proud of the things I've accomplished and I and I love being able to put out a message of love and self-love and healing in my work. And when then I started to get hired to do that for other people, you know, other, getting hired as a consultant to um, consult on other people, completing their films and series and stand-up specials and getting hired by corporations to speak to, you know, turning uh, trauma into to treasure and, and so I, I just saw kind of, you know, it, it kind of it found me, you know, it found yeah. me that I was able to do it for myself. And then I was able to see that a lot of other people could benefit 
from this, I guess, superpower of just being able to see, like if someone comes to you and, and tells you their kind of life story, just being able to see, see like, oh yeah, I could help you with structure. I could, here's how we tell the story with the most impact. And, um, and here's where the healing is. And, um, but it, it took a while to learn that. That's a very long answer. <laughs> No, it was a good answer, and it uh, it got me floating around to different things. I was as you were as you mentioned trauma, or rather, you mentioned anxiety, and what did you call it? Dread, uh, dread energy, dread energy. I had not contemplated. I've not heard that phrase before, but um, I went through this myself. My mom got sick a couple of years ago uh, with breast mm-hmm. cancer, and I, I always, whenever I talk about this, I say. She's okay now, although I had a conversation with her today that I found a bit disturbing. Just, it was really random and strange. No, she's fine, but she's, said, <laughs> you know, my parents are getting older. And my point here is she got sick and it changed my whole life. And I started to feel, uh, I started to finally recognize my own anxiety. And I never really contemplated before. I had to go to therapy and figure it out and deal with all the, you know, coping mechanisms and exercises that you kind of have to do. And I just had never done that before. And so when you were talking about that, I, it, and then as you were going on, you kind of said the moment kind of found, or this stuff kind of found you. And I feel like when I started to talk about my own experiences in processing what my mother was going through and what our whole family was going through, I kind of became more aware of how much open dialogue there is now uh, about such things, about yeah. mortality and anxiety and, you know, how often are we on social media and someone begins uh, a post with TW, trigger warning, um, or, 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 or just feeling outspoken enough to, to just talk about whatever is going on. And it seems to me that with your special now and as you've ascended in the in the world of comedy your your form of taking uh, i believe you used the phrase uh, you know turning trauma into creative treasure that seems to be dovetailing with an openness generally uh, f- uh from people around the world to not only talk about their own uh issues but to actually accept that other people have issues and to listen and so anyway as you were this is now a long response to your long answer, and I apologize if I'm rambling. But No apology needed. Yeah, it's just this. That's what I was thinking about as you were speaking. You recognize that. I guess what I'm wondering about from your perspective is what do you think is going on that we are in this more open place, an outspoken place where the Me Too movement can happen, Black Lives Matter can happen, and people are not as afraid to confront monsters and speak out. Do you have a sense of what has gone on uh, to to precipitate this moment we're in where you can be appreciated for what you're doing by addressing trauma in your work and speaking out against horrible comedians and horrible people? Do you know, do you have any perspective on why we're here at this point right now? Yeah, um, I think that... We are, you know, there's that saying, we are only as sick as our secrets. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. And yeah, so when there are a lot of secrets going back generations, 
you know, because when we look at a predator, a sexual predator, or we look at this type of trauma, this is not typically an isolated incident. You know, I think there's a tendency to, to, to blame the sexual predator, you know, rightfully so, but there was probably generations of familial trauma dating back. Held in secrecy and people um, getting really good at keeping secrets because they had to, right? Mm. And so, when these, what what's happening with all these beautiful movements that we're seeing, the Me Too movement, the beautiful movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, mm. beautiful movement, and all of the rest of the stuff that's happening now is. You know, what, what happened is it escalated to a point that people couldn't keep these secrets anymore because it was so painful and it like burst. And it's like they say in recovery, you know, you have to hit a bottom before you, you stop. Like you can't make someone stop their addiction. They have to hit their own bottom before like, Everything, you know, they have to kind of lose everything in many cases before there is a like, okay, a a surrender. And the surrender is like, okay, I can't do this on my own. Like, I can't do this anymore. I need help. I can't, you know, and, and, and that I feel is what, where we're at um, societally is we've hit this wall and and people can't contain the sickness anymore they they can't hide it for other people they they can't hide their own pain and trauma that's happening and and it's coming up for healing and it's so beautiful because what happens in in a recovery is like after someone hits their bottom hopefully then the healing begins only after a total surrender of like, and an acknowledgement of we cannot go on in this manner. We cannot continue in this manner. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I wonder if there's a corollary with, with what you're saying and uh, the way people have felt empowered by others coming forward. There's a lot of that going on. Um, uh, Enough people start to speak out that people, other people say, you know, that also happened to me. That was my experience. I want to join in this conversation because the I, I've never, fortunately, I've never had to enter any kind of group therapy or outpatient program or what have you, Alcoholics Anonymous, nothing like that. But I think it's telling that, as you say, in the trajectory of someone hitting rock bottom, getting treatment, what we see often depicted in pop culture is that someone enters some kind of group dynamic where there's a, a roundtable discussion with fellow sufferers, addicts, whatever you, alcoholics, whatever you are, you end up talking with each other because you can commiserate and relate to each other. And I wonder if social media and these movements we've been talking about have kind of done the same thing. We are a group of people who have suffered the same kinds of trauma, and now we're going to galvanize so that we can address it together, but also share our experiences with other people. Am I way off base with this? I feel like there's something there. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when one person has the extreme courage to come forth and speak the truth, because Mm -hmm. by the way, the truth is the most powerful thing we have. So it's like one person gets that courage up to speak the truth. That's profound because especially when you think of these things being done that have, that have, they're, they're not just the things being done. They've been hidden by generations of people becoming good hiders, right? And there's yeah. like shame and blame and repercussions and career fear and stuff like that. And, and everyone's just trying to keep, everyone's trying to do the same thing, right? Keep their jobs, put food on their tables, feed their families, uh, be respected by their peers. So when one person has the, Courage to be authentic, to speak the truth. And suddenly, uh, everyone's like, oh my God, that happened to me. I, I feel yeah. like it's so powerful because, you know, a lot of times with trauma, people, um, they check out, they dissociate, they leave their bodies. They, they don't remember what happened maybe until, you know, years, decades later, later if ever. And that's why you see like a lot of late reporting of things. They they check out in other ways with, with drugs and alcohol, with uh, workaholism, mm-hmm. whatever. And so they almost like are hiding it from themselves, right? And because it was a, such a painful thing. And then when you see people coming out and talking about it, it's like you're going to see a lot of other people like the memories awakening within them, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. secrets that suddenly some shame is alleviated just by talking about it. We're, we're kind of, yeah, as you say, processing it together. And that's yeah. what we do in therapy and in, in support groups is process these things uh, together and, and in processing them and grieving them in the moment, they're leaving our bodies um, and we're beginning to experience some grace and um, being able to have a, a new experience rather than just going back to old triggered behaviors of, you know, uh, per- perpetuating trauma, being a perpetrator or even keeping secrets. That's an old descri- destructive behavior. Because then when you say, see like all these people coming out, it's like now all these other people feel free to to speak it's like well think of um what a time to be alive because there were were so many years when people couldn't say anything and when we don't speak up and use our voices to to stop abuses of course it continues happening and it continues happening to to way more victims so like one victim speaks out it's um reverberates to all these other people and and absolutely this is like a time of healing that we're all in right now so like to answer your question (laughs) that you had (laughs) 10 years ago um, is like I was like excited because I was seeing a lot of people in comedy and in positions of power using comedy or power to harm people and I thought, well, while there'll probably always be a market for that, um, I want to use my comedy to heal people. I want to offer value and solution. I want to keep a conversation going about healing. And I want to use humor um, to to create the space for people to feel heard and seen, 
for people to express themselves, for people to grow and change and to have a new experience, you know, because I, yeah. I don't think we can even, I don't even want to use, I'm not interested in shaming or blaming people. I'm interested in how can we get better because this shit's fucked up. Yeah. Okay. So without shaming or blaming anyone, I do want your perspective on, I guess, the state of comedy and the comedy community as it stands. I bring this up because I've had a few conversations with comedians lately. Some are like, I can't wait to get back on the road. Uh, and, you know, I can't do these sort of video Zoom sets or whatever. I can't wait. But I spoke to another recently who tellingly is a woman who said, you know what? I'm over it. I'm done. I can't. I don't miss the road, really, because it's a nightmare. All the men suck. It's all jocks and losers and abusers. <laughs> I'm and, and this is a seasoned, you know, this is a veteran comedian. Who said I? It I'd... sounds like it sounds like Jen Kirkman. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was in fact Jen Kirkman for anyone who wants to dial back and listen to that episode with Jen. Yeah, and so there is this sort of zone though. Like it was a a yeah. comment and an indictment on of comedy and the culture right now. And I kind of said, yeah, I the last time I really went to a comedy festival, it felt more like a chore than it ever had dealing with some of the material and the people and and all the commentary around some of the figureheads who have not who are now either disgraced or supposedly deplatformed like it, it's, it's a bit of a taint if you will like something's not right and i wonder if you uh, i know the word taint is a giggly word but uh <laughs> no do you have a perspective on as i say the kind of state of comedy from your perspective does it feel like a place where the healing that you're trying to accomplish can happen? Or does it still feel... I, I assume that community is part of what spurred you on to have the kind of open and frank style you have. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think, look, I think there um, is something for everyone in comedy. I wouldn't be able to, you know... I can't change the world. I'm aware of that. Mm. But what I can offer is, you know, I can offer something. I, I can offer, I want to continue the conversation about healing and solution. And that's what I'm doing. And that's what I'm doing with my special. That's what I'm doing with my podcast. And that's what I'm doing with my own stuff, my book I'm writing and, and, you know, what I'm using my platform for. So uh, the people who are interested in that for sure are yeah. uh, excited yeah. about the work I'm doing. They're for sure responding, tremendous response, super grateful for everyone who's written me and, and, and called me uh, to, ex to express these things. Um, but you know, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to change that world. I'm trying to create the world I want to see. And that's what I'm using with my platform to do. That's that's fair. And I don't mean to uh, uh, ascribe too much greatness and power to you, Melinda, and that you are going to change everything with your work. But I, as I'm listening and, and uh, engaging with your special inappropriate, I, as a comedy fan, I don't, I kind of think about things maybe a little differently than maybe some others do. I kind of think of the process involved in, in you getting to that special. And I, as I'm listening to the reaction from the audience to some of your material, 
there is support, joy, gasping, surprise, shock that you're saying some of the things you're saying. And so I wondered about, and in my head, getting back to what I was talking about process, I know comedians tend to work a lot on that, on their material before they get to a recording phase. And you say the response to your work has been tremendous, and that's great. Have you encountered audiences who aren't with what you're saying, who don't get it or are not finding it (laughs) something to laugh at because it goes into some very serious places? Um, Can you speak to that? Has the reception to Inappropriate and your material ever surprised you? Like people, whoa, people really get this or people really didn't get it? I don't understand. Have you had those moments? Um, I have not heard of anyone not getting it. Okay. But I also don't Google comments, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You haven't, haven't gone to your Yelp reviews? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> maybe if someone is not getting it, they're, they're certainly not telling me personally. So yeah. I'm, I'm only hearing from the people who are enjoying it. And so it's made me feel really good about putting it out. What about the old guard, the gatekeepers of comedy who don't... There are gatekeepers, right? Who will say, ah, it's just another person complaining about something. Have you encountered that? Like, do you ever have fear of, you know, it doesn't seem like that's happening to you. Everything seems to be going well. But there, a lot of what keeps and suppresses people down, uh, suppresses people in any form, is fear. Fear of offending gatekeepers, people who hold the power. Have you had those thoughts at all? No, because I'm I'm also not complaining. Yes, okay. Uh, you know, I, I'm not bashing anyone in my special. I'm saying here are some things I some areas I could I can see some improvement happening. I mean, I definitely am commenting on the me. I was inspired by the Me Too movement. I, I think it's a zeitgeist. It's a moment yeah. uh, where disenfranchised voices are being heard. Thank God. And it's a beautiful thing. And I was inspired to write a special around that and around how I saw people in power, you know, using their power to harm people. But then the special took on a life of its own because the special wasn't me on a soapbox being the police about that for an hour or saying, here's what we need to do. It became it became about me looking at, well, look, this is how. Comedy has previously uh, been used to reenact trauma. And how am I using comedy? How have I been reenacting trauma in my own life? What kind of solutions have I employed? Where Where am I healing? And it really caused me to do a deep introspective dive on myself and to be like, wow, here's all this comedy I was doing, sort of perpetuating my own trauma um, around, you know, love avoidance and and all the things that I had from not wanting intimacy issues from moving around so much as a kid to like me healing that specific trauma in myself became what the special was about. It was, And so the whole special as a whole is about healing trauma. And the yeah. big message of the special is like, we are not defined by what happened to us. We are divine by what we do with what happens to us. And let's, how can we use our platforms collectively to get better collectively? So it's not me ever standing there complaining, sure. bashing, saying, you know, these people suck and I'm better than anyone. It's saying, 
we have work to do. Yeah. How can we do that? And I'm, I'm doing my part with the special. So in that sense, I have to say, you know, I, I, I love the Brene Brown quote and I, I don't know exactly. So I'm paraphrasing, but it's something to the effect of she's only interested in people who have already mastered the thing that she's doing. She's interested in those people's feedback. And likewise, I'm interested in the people who are keeping a conversation going about healing. I'm interested in what those people, what their feedback is uh, for me. And the rest of it, it's like, uh, I don't need everyone to like me. I need to like, I need to like me. I need to like my material and I need to believe in my own message. And I'm using this, this time, uh, to heal myself from perfectionism and people pleasing and being in the prison of what other people think of me. I, because mm. I don't think you can really create and be and judge at the same time. I'm not interested in judging other people's stuff and I'm not interested in judging mine. I'm interested in creating and um, putting out a message of, of love and self love and love and self love don't have anything to do with what do you think of me? Am I okay? It has everything to do with, I find my own inner validation, my own center, and I'm able to look in the mirror each day and be proud of what I'm doing and what I'm offering. It's really heartening to hear that, and it comes through in your work, if I might say. Like, that spirit is there. Uh, It's evident to me. Um, I invoked gatekeepers. Thank you. You're welcome. I invoked gatekeepers earlier, and you talked just now about how everything that you're talking about in terms of not coming up with solutions, but how do we take what's going on in terms of trauma and turn it into something positive? I just want to home in a little bit on what's going on with your country right now, if I may, and figure (laughs) out if you think that what you're describing there is applicable to what your whole country is going through, because the president who won't leave as we're speaking, hasn't conceded (laughs) yet, uh, is an abuser, he is a truther. He is a denier as well. It's very confusing. He's just a complete mishmash of all sorts of narcissistic personality types, and it's very disturbing. But he is also an avatar of a certain behavior that has been platformed, that has been legitimized by him being in the White House. And I feel as soon as he was elected, I, I was like, this is going to take un- just decades to unravel and undo Do you think what you were describing just now in terms of things that we can apply to becoming better people is something that the country as a whole could possibly engage in? Or when you see what's going on, does that deflate you a little bit as a hopeful person? Can you speak to that? Yeah. um, I mean, of course, it is very disturbing. And, you know, we're dealing with someone who... Um, is suffering from narcissism and deep dementia, in my opinion. Frontal lobal, um, frontal lobal. Do you follow Tom <laughs> Joseph? I asked Jen Kirkman this myself to call back to that episode. Do you know this guy on Twitter, Tom Joseph, at all? No. Oh, you should follow him. He was on the frontal lobal dementia thing <laughs> uh, about a year and a half, two years ago, and I've been following him ever since. He's just been cataloging uh, uh, your current president's... Uh, it's It's... It's hard to say it's sad because so many of us are like, good. But uh, it is sad. Like, he's just been tracking his uh, decline cognitively and physically, and it's all always on point. His name's Tom Joseph, 
anyone listening, I recommend you check out and follow Tom because he makes some broad generalizations sometimes, but he also has been really on point in tracking him. Anyway, sorry. Yes, I agree. He's He's got dementia. He's sick. I didn't mean to interject. Please continue. It's <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, he definitely is a sick person who's suffering, and that it does help me to see people of that ilk as sick and suffering. It mm. is an embarrassment, I feel. But, you know, I also have a lot of experience growing up in mental illness with my, yeah, my yeah. father's mental illness, and I, it, uh, some of my best friends are uh, suffer from bipolar and... Uh, and and other mental illnesses, and so um, you know, and 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 they're they're doing well. Uh, but you know, it does give me great compassion, and and you know, it, that whole thing can be such a time and energy suck. And it, it, what are you supposed to do? You know, live in terror every day. I don't know. I did that the first part of my life. Today, I'm interested in living in faith. I'm interested in living in solution. I do believe what we focus on grows. And the more people are throwing logs on that fire, there are people way more qualified than I to, to speak to these specific issues who are doing a great job of that. Many of my friends and comedians, fellow comedians. Mm -hmm. And I, for me and for my own sanity and serenity, I focus on on changing the things that I can and the things that I can, you know, there are things I can do each day that to, to, to feel good and to offer solution, much like my comedy special, I'm interested in offering solution, in focusing on how can we get better and focusing on how can we feel better. And I'm here for the people who are interested in that. Okay. And each day I, you know, I, I'm I'm doing my own self-care before I open the news and I'm limiting my access to the news mm. and I'm I I one thing that they cannot take from us ever any of us humans is they cannot rob us of our joy. They cannot rob us of our serenity. Yeah. So it is finding a way to have and maintain peace and joy amidst utter chaos and that is what i am focused on cultivating each day is my own joy my own serenity doing what i can to affect positive change in the world and knowing when to retreat you know to to protect myself and my sanity and it's kind of it's kind of a reality show mentality that the more you know it's like when something goes viral it's not like because everyone loves it. It's because half the people love it, half the people hate it. Yeah, that's all right. The people, yeah. But all the people are talking about it, right? Yeah, so that's yeah. the secret to going viral. And so um, the reality show mentality is the same thing. It's like, it's almost like, you know, our generation's wrestling, right? The 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 <laughs> big bravado yeah, yeah, and yeah. The, 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 the big personalities and... Oh, this guy said this and all this guy, you know what I mean? It's like, and everyone gets all, you know, everyone's got their two cents and now it's viral. It's even more viral. So for my part, it's like, I want to remove attention from that where possible. Some things I obviously have to comment on, but I, I, I just continue to put my attention on solution, growth, change, 
redemption of the human spirit, triumph of the human spirit. These are things I believe in, and these are the things I'm here for. Um, and, uh, yeah. Well, it's very well said. And I will say that all sounds like really great advice as well. If I may, I think, uh, I think what you're saying, uh, it resonates with me anyway. I hope it resonates with others listening. Um, you're a very prolific comedian and creative person. Uh, we have been talking a little, little bit about your, your recent special inappropriate. So I'm hoping you can tell people more about where they can learn, about you and inappropriate. Uh, but I also wonder if you can, and you'd mentioned that you're writing a book, which is exciting to hear. I wonder, uh, beyond plugs, can you talk about what's coming up, uh, next for you? Uh, or sorry, not beyond plugs yes. as well as plugging. Can you tell us what the future holds for you? Uh, uh Melinda? Absolutely. Um, oh, and I also wanted to say, I, I forgot to mention, it is important to understand others, you know, yeah. we can get, so segregated, especially when you when you watch the social what what is that movie social experiment? The social dilemma, right. I think, is the new one that's out. Now. Social dilemma. Yeah, you see, like the new, it's designed to divide people. Yeah. So I implore, you know, isn't everything myself, designed? Don't you think everything's designed to religion? Everything is. Everything uh, is borders, countries. All I feel. Of it. That's why I don't like people like, hey, you must be a big Toronto Raptors fan. I'm like, I like basketball. You know, the rest is just laundry. It's just different. They get traded away. I can't. I gave up when they traded Wayne Gretzky when I was 12 years old. I was like, they traded Wayne Gretzky. He just won four Stanley Cups. I, I, you know, hopes and dreams dashed for loyalty and (laughs) and sort of like, oh, that's my team. That's the only place I can be. No, you have to be kind of open. People move around. People do different things. We're all people. I think most things that segregate us are designed to divide us and fight, you know, make us fight with each other about our religions, about our skin color, about our genders. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it all. And so to I don't turn live... us into a reality show. Exactly. I don't live my life that way. And, and uh, I try to impart that to my children and anyone who will listen to me. So thank you for giving me space on my own podcast to rant for 45 seconds about that. Thank you, Melinda. I appreciate it. No one ever of gives course. me the space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. Well, I think that's in general, that's, you know, let's continue to give people space, all of us to be ourselves, because it's like when we get into I'm right, they're wrong, they all suck, they're stupid. Mm. I mean, I believe me, I, I fall into it myself, but it's like, you know, all of these people can't be terrible people just because you know, they, they, they believe this one thing. So Mm -hmm. it's like, how can we find a a common humanity? How can we communicate and not dismiss everyone? Because it is divide and conquer, you know, that's dangerous. So I don't know. I I try to just, I try to see people in their wellness. And, um, and, and I also try to understand uh, their point of view, and then when that doesn't work, I just I just go into okay, agree to disagree. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, but blessing yeah. blessings to you, you know, that doesn't make me right, you wrong. It's just um, you know, agree to disagree. Well, here. I think when observational comedy is done particularly well, it highlights differences that prove we're all the same. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And I don't know. I I'm just I'm I'm more interested in. 
I don't want to fight with people. I'm more interested in fighting for unity and yes. wellness. Yes, yes, I, I agree. I agree. So, sorry, I was trying to get you to yes. promote yourself and also tell us what's coming up next. So let's go reverse order. I don't know why I mangled this. I do this every time I do one of these episodes, and I screwed this one up. What's coming up next for you, Melinda? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I have, I'm in a new movie. Um, it's, it comes out December 4th on all the platforms. It's called, uh, Love, Weddings, and Other Disasters with, uh, starring Diane Keaton and Jeremy Irons and Maggie Grace and King Batch and a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of other wonderful people. Thank you. Thank you. What is your, uh, what, what Um, is your role in the film, if I may ask? Yeah, I play um, I play Svetlana, who is Russian, and she has two little alter identities: um, Olga and Natasha. Oh, you're playing three. Um, you're playing three characters ostensibly. Yeah, yeah. What kind of accent hell is that? Can you do like? Do you have any? Are you? There's no Russian background in your. Life is there? Do you have to make this up? I, no, I had to learn it. And, um, you know, I, I had to do a lot. I had, I worked out with a trainer um, prior to the film. They had me working out with a trainer. They had me um I'm sorry. Can we, can we get they a little bit me. of it? I just, I need to hear a bit of this if that's okay. I don't want to <laughs> let the, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag before <laughs> December 4th, but this sounds intriguing. What, just something, just say anything. I just, I, I want to hear what you did. Please, please. Can I beg you? No, I can't. I can't. Listen, I have to. I have to have a boundary because I do. You, do you know Doug Pound? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, so Doug's my old friend, and we were at the show together. And um, he, I just done the film, and he, and he was like, "Can you do a Russian accent?" And I said, "Yeah." I gave him one of my lines, and he goes. That didn't sound Russian. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so the Russian accent is going to go in the category of do stand up on the spot. Tell us a joke. Right. Like, you're right. No, okay. you can go you can go watch it. I'm sorry. And, you're, but I, you're absolutely correct. I apologize. I should not have But here's what I will do. Here's I'll, I'll do a little Melania Trump's cousins, which is oh. uh, an impression that that I, I, I did a little series with uh, E.G. Daily, and we played uh, mer- uh, comedy series, yeah. lighthearted, fun, it, and it was Melania Trump's cousins, uh, melanoma and bulimia. <laughs> okay. So, so it's Slovenian, so it's, it's different than Russian. But here's my here's my Melania Trump cousin okay. accent. Okay. I want you to know that I believe in you all women. <laughs> That's good. That's... I support in you all women. Okay. Very solid. So you can you can Google <laughs> you can Google that to see more of that. Okay, but the movie is called Love Weddings and Other Disasters. Okay. It stars Diane Keaton, Jeremy Irons, Maggie Grace, King Batch, uh, so many other talented, wonderful people um, comes out December fourth. Streaming on all platforms. My new comedy special is called Inappropriate. It is an hour long, and it's also so it's a it's a comedy special video. It's mm-hmm. also a comedy album, yep. and it's also an Audible book. And you can access all of that at melindahill.com. And 
the last, uh, it's like on all the platforms, like you could go to any of the platforms, you just go to melindahill.com. Also, I have a new podcast and that is called Let's Process This with Melinda Hill. Mm-hmm. And you can get all that at melindahill.com. And I think that is all <laughs> of the news <laughs> right now. You've got a book. That sounds exciting. And uh, we'll look forward to that when you're, when it's ready to come out. And Diane Keaton was cool. We all liked Diane Keaton. Was it fun? Was it fun making the movie? Oh my gosh, it was an absolute dream. It was so fun. Um, It's great that it's such long hours, though, that you, you know, you need some recovery time, but it was awesome. I love, and we filmed it in Boston, which I love that city. It's so beautiful and was in the fall and we got to stay in the seaport and oh, nice. yeah so it, it's really fun to be in a rom-com too because it's just <laughs> it's so light <laughs> you know it's just it's just fun to make something that's just like silly and light that's like all about love and you know that that just that's the kind of stuff I want to be watching this holiday season. It's just like, give me something light. Like I've been watching all these series about cults, you know, I've been watching, I watched the vow. I watched the seduced. And then I watched uh, the, the series about the, you know, Scientology that Leah Remini was doing. I started watching that. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I just want to watch some light fun silly fair yeah you went you went pretty dark there with your viewing habits for a while it sounds like so yeah time to lighten up a little melinda i I would agree yeah well it sounds exciting and so that's out december 4th uh normally when i wrap up a bit like this uh or an interview rather like this uh melinda uh depending on my guests if they're a musician i ask if we can go out on a song if they're a comedian i might ask if we can go out on a bit from uh, a recent uh, release as you have a special out I'm curious, can we go out on a piece from Inappropriate? And if so, if it's appropriate to do so, I guess I should say, uh, can you choose one for us and maybe tell us why it came to mind? Oh, my gosh. You know what I would love? I would love to flip it on you. Oh, no. And ask you if you, what (laughs) bit stood out to you the most in the in the special that what what was the big takeaway for you from the special or what spoke to you about it or was there a particular bit that you would want to reenact for us well okay <laughs> this is gonna this is like my version of being a singer and holding the the microphone to the audience i feel like you you've put me on your podcast all of a sudden you've turned the tables <laughs> and now i have to guess i uh, so i had made a reference to the fact that i thought there were moments where the crowd was sort of taken aback and there's a whole sequence near the top of the special uh where it's called mm-hmm. the pieces are called uh me too stool me too soon ye and me too soon and i hesitate to uh, uh you know be rude and ask if we might be able to play all three of those since they seem to have some connection is that would that be wrong or would you prefer any one of those as an entry point into your work what do you think oh yeah play all three I think they yeah, are related absolutely. right they they're clearly not just nominally yeah. related they have connections they're all you know, around two yeah. minute, three minute bits. I think we should play the Me Too yeah. sequence that is near the top of Inappropriate. If you're okay with this, then I will do it. We will yeah. do it right now and then people get a flavor for what this special is and they can find it, like you said, on all the various audio platforms 
video platforms, what have you. Is that cool? You're, you're saying that's cool with you? Yeah, absolutely. Are you actually playing it right now? No, I'm not 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 underneath this. I'm about to play it right now. We're going to throw to it. Are you, are you can we throw oh to it? Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> I will so that's so that part stood out to you the most. Um Well, it's the one that I thought of. It's the one that I I, I alluded to earlier where I'm like, is the crowd into this? Not not that they're into it. Is there are they ready for it? Are people ready? To hear this kind of commentary on this movement and, you know, going after, not going after people, but, you know, talking frankly about this movement and the issues surrounding it and male comedians and Sunni Previn. Like, there's a lot going on, if if I might say. Oh, wow. So that really, wow. Okay, because I'm such in a bubble here in L.A. where many people are talk, we're talking about this, that... That so that stood out to you like people were like gasping and you were like wow this is like some breaking ground moments here. I think so. That's you're putting words in my mouth and I appreciate that. That's fine. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's that's fair. That is a fair assessment of my response. Uh, you know, visceral response to these to these bits. So I'd like to play them. Can we play them? Yeah, of course. Okay, let, please do. Let's do it. This is uh, Melinda Hill with the Me Too stool. Me Too Soon Yi and Me Too Soon, sorry, uh, from the uh, new and excellent special Inappropriate. Uh, Melinda, this was a a tremendous joy. I hope you had a good time uh, speaking with me as well. Thank you for being on the show and best of luck with everything going forward. Thank you so much. I I loved being here and, and best of luck to you too. Magicians, um, get to have all the fun though because they work with illusions, right? I love illusions. I lived in one most of my life. (laughs) So fun. But comedians have to deal with facts. Comedians work with facts. So, fact. Women are still paid 78 cents on the dollar to their male counterparts for doing the exact same work. You know, facts aren't always fun. (laughs) They're not illusions. Women of color make even less money. Okay? Fact. One out of seven male stand-up comics is still using the bar stool as his dick in his stand-up comedy act. (laughs) Fact. LGBT rights are being threatened daily. Our reproductive rights are being threatened daily. Our civil liberties are being threatened daily. Fact. When I see a male stand-up comic using the bar stool as his dick, all I see is trauma. I just see, I have trauma. I'm recreating my trauma. I can't stop. I need help and I don't know how to say that. When they're humping it, you know. Medi-Cal doesn't cover EMDR. (laughs) The closest I've come to this kind of trauma is just when I was uh, 21 years old. And uh, my dad was not there for me emotionally or financially. Thank you. And... So I let a 51-year-old man pay my SAG card initiation fees and take me on a shopping spree to the Glendale Galleria. 
But I don't know how to act that out with a stool. Conclusion. Seven out of seven male stand-up comics are getting paid more than I am to hump this bar stool. (laughs) So this year was really interesting for me because here I am just trying to make comedy that heals, inspires, transforms. And all of a sudden, I get stuck in a Twitter storm with Louis (laughs) C.K. Here's what happened. Louis C.K. admitted to masturbating on several female colleagues, and then he returned to stand-up, to which I tweeted, Louis C.K. is spearheading the hashtag MeTooSoon movement. (laughs) I tweeted it at midnight, and by the time I woke up in the morning, it was viral. (sighs) Thank you. But that's not how tweets normally go for me. Um, I'll tell you how tweets normally go. So a little while after that, Soon-Yi Previn wrote an article about how Woody Allen's not such a bad guy, right? Soon-Yi Previn, of course, is uh, Woody Allen's wife slash daughter. So... So she wrote this article to which I tweeted, Sunyi Previn is spearheading the hashtag MeTooSunyi movement. <laughs> I thought it was funny too. I got crickets on Twitter. Because I was just reading that article, you know, and, and I was like, Sunyi, you were raised better than that. Your husband. <laughs> so back to my viral tweet. So all these people want to interview me. I called my comedian friends and asked for advice. So I called Maria Bamford and she was like, Well, oh gosh, I don't know. I mean, if you want to talk about it, you can talk about it. If you don't want to, you don't have to. <laughs> I called Margaret Cho and she had really good advice also she was like if you don't have an answer just say I don't know and always bring it back to your joke and be like I don't know all I know is hashtag me too soon (laughs) so TMZ called me and they're like Louis C.K. return to stand up in the middle of the night what are your thoughts on that And I was like, I just think that the unannounced nature of his appearance was kind of sneaky and surprising, much like sexual assault. (laughs) Sneaky and surprising. And then I was interviewed on NPR by Elsa Chang, who has the most professional voice in media. Hashtag me too soon. What did you mean by that? I just meant I think people are craving a bit more of an amends before he returns to the spotlight. And what would that amends look like to you? 
I mean, I don't know. It's not really for me to say. All I know is hashtag me too soon. (laughs) But I do think it's an amazing opportunity for him to use his platform to like show everyone how a real man handles something, how to turn this around, how to make restitution in a way, perhaps like through the lens of his daughters, had they been assaulted, what would be appropriate there? And she goes, but does he still have a platform? And I was like, touche, NPR's Elsa Chang. Hashtag me touche soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ah, lovely to speak with Melinda Hill on this, the 584th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever it is you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, if that's still around by the time you're listening to this. I have a feeling it might not be somehow. People are angry at Spotify, but my show is on there somehow. And uh, Do you listen to the show on Spotify? I don't know who listens to the show on Spotify. I assume people listen to podcasts on Spotify. It seems to be getting popular. Anyway, the show is there. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter i just put one out as i'm speaking to you and it uh i was happy i was happy with it It was a good one i think i don't know anyway if you want a newsletter learn about me old episodes everything's at my website vishkana.com and also like creative control on facebook people also don't like facebook you can follow the show on twitter everybody loves twitter who doesn't like the twitter at vish creative or follow me directly at vishkana also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain the existence of this podcast. It uh, relies on that revenue more than any other. There's no real other, the odd ad, I guess. Not a lot. Not a lot of ads, but sometimes there's paid ads. I don't love the paid ads. I like the, the Patreon seems good. You like the show, so you make a flexible monthly donation and then you can change it if you like the show a little more or a little less. You can change it to whatever you like. And $6 or more gets you uh, access to exclusive audio content from my archives. That's pretty good. Learn more at patreon.com slash creative control. And thank you for making your donations. Also, thanks again to live at massyhall.com. 
where you can watch beautifully captured concerts by great Canadian artists. Actually, there's some money from that. Thanks, Massey Hall, for that. No money, but used to get great food and books and coffee from Pizza Trocadero, the bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph when I lived in Guelph. And also Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. I used to get donuts when I went to Hamilton. Don't get that stuff anymore, but that's okay. I'm not there. I still love those places, and they I, I continue to believe that they provide in-kind support for this show. Jim Guthrie lends me some music for the show, and he's a, a sweetheart of a, of a man, and I love him very much. And you can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode with Melinda Hill. I, If you are unfamiliar with Melinda, I hope you uh, learn stuff and might check out her special Inappropriate, and she's in a new movie, as we established at the end there with Diane Keaton and Jeremy Irons. So check out that film. And yeah, thanks for listening to the show, and thanks for uh, subscribing to it and following it or whatever and, and telling your friends about it. That all helps, and I will talk to you soon. If you're on the other end of me talking and, and hear me, I hope... I hope that's the case. I hope that's what happens. And yeah, like I say, talk to you soon. Bye for now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.